630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Thursday night football tonight sees the Las Vegas Raiders out in front of the L.A. Chargers by a score of 10-7. Marcus Mariota in at quarterback because of a groin injury suffered by starter Derek Carr. Mariota connects with tight end Darren Waller for a 35-yard touchdown. The Raiders, who have to basically win their final games to have a hope of making the AFC playoffs, they're up 10-7 right now on Thursday Night Football. The uh, news of the uh, past several hours, I'd say three, four hours, has been the, the, I guess, the stunning turn of events that all seven Canadian teams may not be able to play in their own country and might have to move to the uh, U.S. Alan Walsh is a very outspoken agent, and I'll just read the tweets that he uh, just shared not too uh, long ago, well, within the last hour. We can all agree the need to mitigate risk of spreading the virus and protecting the health and safety of NHL players and staff. The NHL, NHLPA have detailed safety protocols put together with input from infectious disease experts. It's also critical to protect the population at large and and not to do anything to put people at risk. Perhaps the Canadian and provincial governments need a reminder that the NHL's 1920 return to play playoff bubbles occurred with zero positive tests to shut the NHL down in Canada and send the seven teams to the U.S. to hold camps and play games is nonsensical for all concerned. That is the opinion of Alan Walsh as we bring in Bob Stoffer, the host of Oilers Now here on 630 Chad, an analyst on our Oilers radio network broadcast. Uh, Bob, I'm, uh, I'm, I guess I always thought this maybe been in the back of on the back burner or in the back of my mind, but I thought it was like really in the, in the, uh, in the, uh, the back, but now it's coming more to the forefront. I, I'm just stunned by this turn of events. Well, I, I saw a tweet you put out earlier today and you hypothesized um, a guess as to maybe which provinces there may be a challenge with. Is that right? Was yeah. that your tweet? Okay. And what did you I guess? speculated Ontario and BC. All right, so let's uh, circle back. So BC was in the mix to be a potential hub city. Uh, BC has had a, um, I'd say, a successful run so far in terms of the death rate with COVID. Uh, It's the lowest of the five Canadian provinces that have NHL teams. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, at, uh, they just went over 700 deaths today, so they're at about 140 deaths per million. Uh, Alberta's closing in on 800 uh, deaths. I think Alberta's at about 770, so Alberta's at about 160 deaths per million. Uh, Manitoba is over 500 deaths per million. Ontario uh, is over, they're closing in on 300 deaths per million. The last time I checked, Quebec was in around 850 uh, deaths per million. Uh, Nora, Nora Loretto uh, is a self-confirmed socialist uh, activist, writer type. She's monitored every single death that's occurred in this country. And of the roughly 14,000 people that have unfortunately passed away from COVID, 11,000 have occurred in uh, elderly care facilities. So we've discussed this before. Uh, when um, Paul Martin, who is a very centrist liberal prime minister, uh, succeeded uh, Jean Chrétien, he tried to uh, elevate the standard of all extended care facilities in the country. 
Um, he tried to put a bill through. He put a child care benefits bill through as well. And uh, that actually got uh, poo-pooed by members of his own Liberal Party at that time. Uh, so, you know, there were people concerned that this could happen, uh, specifically in extended care facilities. Um, BC has a marginally better death rate. They've not tested anywhere near the rates that Alberta has tested at. And some would suggest to you that that has given them a false impression of the amount of actual positive cases they may have in their province. They've just started to get some outbreaks in, in different communities, including like Fort St. James. Um, they have a lot of problems, uh, I believe, in the Fraser or maybe it's coastal uh, uh, region. But I think we know that B.C., uh, did not see eye to eye with the National Hockey League on how a uh, hub would end up working. So that took right. Vancouver out of the mix, and Edmonton uh, and Toronto ended up getting the hubs, and it had zero cases in the hubs. So, uh, you know, I, this, I, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, I don't know how closely you follow California. In California, they're making movies. In California, so it's okay to be so that industry, which is obviously very important to the state of California, but would also have individuals that might vote for a Democratic uh, governor like Newsom. That industry is up and uh, up and running. Meanwhile, professional sports teams are being told they can't play there. Some might think that some people involved in professional sport might be center or center right. You know, some people might think that. I don't know. Um, so I guess what I'm saying to you, Dave, is I'm not surprised this has occurred because like everything else with COVID, um, what people seem to fail to realize is that the enemy is the virus. The enemy is not political perspectives, but it constantly seems to be a political perspective. We're, we've got, a, we've got, and here, here's, an, somebody suggested to me today, Dave, that, that, you know, the feds have sort of deferred this off to the province, but there are some people uh, connected, uh, and, and I'm sort of hearing the story secondhand that maybe there's concerns about Canadian teams flying on private charters where their players are getting tested virtually every day. Uh, some concern about Canadians flying around. Mean, meanwhile, Air Canada is up flying around people all the time right now in Canada. So I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I'm hoping this is a blip on the radar screen, but I'm not necessarily convinced it's going to be. Um, and it's and, and yeah. so now I'm gonna now I'm gonna give you a really damning statistic. I'm not surprised Alan Wall said what he said, Dave, because right now the province of, of British Columbia has a lower death rate than any U.S. state has, and the only U.S. state that has a lower death rate than Alberta right now um, is uh, where's uh, where's Bernie Sanders from? Do you recall? Oh boy. Is that off the top of my head? Yeah, I think Vermont. Uh, the, only, you, the only state yeah. I think is Vermont. They have six hundred twenty-three thousand people in that state. So there is no current uh, state that can theoretically handle the seven Canadian teams that actually has lower death rates than what's in Alberta and BC for people from COVID. And I, I'm not being a COVID denier. Like this, it's it's real. It's a real virus, and the virus is the enemy. It's just, is it being politicized yet again? And I tend to, I, you know, I know one of the individuals from a medical side who is involved with this for the NHL, okay? Uh, mm-hmm. This is a guy that is based at Edmonton and has worked for a long time with uh, with uh, teams that I've been involved with. 
and I would trust his ability to be involved. He's on several national and international bodies related to this sort of thing. And, uh, you know, I, I think that the, 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 like even with the National Football League, the players get tested every day, and you're, you're testing like 120 to 150 people in a compound on a daily basis. And yep. you're going to have the occasional positive case happen when that occurs. So um, I, I personally believe that the protocols would be there from the National Hockey League. However, I'm not surprised that this has occurred because things tend to be always politicized. And I'm not sure everybody thinks the same way across the country about how they see things. Yeah, it, it puts the NHL in a tough position, too, with uh, with seven teams that potentially would have to move to the U.S. unless they decide we're going to find a way to bubble uh, a team in, you know, the teams in Edmonton, for example. But obviously there's a concern. Look, we can't keep them in there for weeks to months at a time. And if we're going to do that, and I said it earlier, it's got to be uniform. We can't just have one bubble in Canada and have 24 teams flying around and playing in their own building. It's just an unfair playing field. So top position for the for the NHL for sure. And, you know, January 13th has been the desired start date. And I, I think that's starting to really fade into the uh, into the abyss right now. Yeah, totally fair comment, Dave. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's going to be. What's what's been the response like? Because uh, this, this actually broke after my show got off the air today. What's the general consensus been like from the listeners on the on the uh, text line? I think there's some. Um, I think there's some understanding, and I think we all understand that the Canadian health authority and the governments have a, a duty to protect the public and to yes. control the spread of the virus. We all understand that. But I think there's a perplexity that when these are teams that have their own health and safety protocols, which were approved in the summer uh, by the uh, Canadian health authorities, um, and they now would, even if they were to travel, they would be on their own planes. They would be tested daily. They would be sequestered in their hotel. They probably would be not allowed to leave their hotel. It'd be hotel rank, hotel rank, airport, go home, whatever the sure. schedule's going to dictate, right? So I do think there is a lot of perplexity, and I'm in the same boat where you you see their health and safety protocols. You see what they are doing. You can compare it to the major league baseball who got off to a bad start and then rectified things. MLS got off to a terrible start and rectified things. NBA, you know, tough start with training camp. They've only had one positive test in week three of, of camp and, and preseason. That's good. NFL has had bumps in the roads. They had to, you know, uh, they had to, you know, move, shake up their schedule a bit, but overall they're finding a way to get through it. I don't know if they want perfection or, or what, but I just don't under it, something doesn't make sense with the Canadian health authorities and the provincial health authorities. If they're going, yeah, I'm not so sure now whether th this is going to jive with our policies. It is well, my, obviously yeah, they're, my, they're the overseers, but, but there is, if there's a solid plan within the NHL and they have it, then why isn't that good enough? My understanding is in BC, and I just got off the phone with somebody from there. John Horgan, who is an NDP and just got voted in at a higher percentage that he was in before, does love sports. Uh, so I'd be very interested to be a fly in the wall. I know that uh, when uh, Dr. Bonnie uh, spoke earlier today in Vancouver, that there were sports writers and sportscasters on the queue. They never had the opportunity to have their questions asked. It was all about the rollout for the vaccination program. Um, mm. So... 
you know, suffice to say, Alberta has proven a willingness to do business, and they've done it again with the World Juniors. Like, you know, I was listening to Danielle Smith today, and we actually had some people write a center that were frustrated at, at being, you know, and, and a lot of them would see themselves as libertarians. They were frustrated that they were basically handcuffed in their own city, and they couldn't take their kids to go play Bantam hockey. But meantime, we've flown people in from nine different countries around the world, including teams that have been hit, like Sweden and Germany. But we have a process and we have a protocol to pull that tournament off. And why can't you do something similar potentially for hockey? And I, I think you, you're probably onto something. We're probably looking at a hybrid version of a bubble, and maybe it starts in Edmonton for two weeks in January, and then maybe it goes to, for the sake of our, I mean, the, the premier in Quebec today was speaking about uh, opening up Broussard. I mean, this is Quebec. We, we've, we've obviously had a spike here at Edmonton and a spike in Alberta. We've had the nastiest cold streak of any of the major cities uh, in the league to deal with. But there is the province of Quebec, which has got the worst death rate of any province in the country. And their, their premier is basically suggesting, hey, we'd be open for business and, and sort of inferring that, that he'd be willing to have a bubble there. So we'll have to see how it plays itself out. By the way, matchup of the all-Oregon graduates – uh, between Marcus Mariota and Justin uh, Herbert uh, yeah. today. And can you remember the former Oregon quarterback uh, that played uh, for the Eskimos and also for the Hamilton Ticats and was part of a big Ticats victory about four, three or four years ago uh, at Commonwealth Stadium uh, when the Eskimos got off to a pretty good start to that season, oh. if I recall. Jeremiah Masoli. There we go, Jeremiah yep. Masoli. There you go. Nicely done, Dave. He set the uh, completion record in the regular season, broke Jason Moss's record for most completions. I think he had 23 in a row. So that was a shocking, shocking outcome. I could not believe what I was seeing. The Esk were up by 25 uh, yeah. in the game, and they end up losing by six, I think. So that's crazy. So, uh, Bob, I'm in the big chair for Reed. Um, well, the big chair in my basement office at home. I know he does something called Quiz for Stoffer, and you probably uh -oh. think that you're off the hook. You're not, buddy. You're not. I have uh -oh. a quiz for Stoffer. So the categories are uh, Alabama quarterbacks or the 19 and the 1995-96 Edmonton Oilers season. I have two questions in that category. One about the Alabama quarterbacks. All right. Well, I'll go for it. All right. Well, we'll do the Alabama quarterbacks first. And I hope I got this right. I, I tried to do my research very carefully because you're sharp as a tack. Who are the three Alabama quarterbacks who won Super Bowls? Ken Stabler, Bart right. Starr. Yes. Bart Starr, Ken Stabler, and Joe Namath. You got it. You got it. Broadway Joe. That's right. To, to, he was he was an atypical guy going to Alabama. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he was a little bit flashy to go play for Bear Bryant back then. I don't know if he was kissing reporters after interviews back then when he had a couple pops, but he was a good old yeah. boy. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, exactly. Okay, 95-96 Oilers season. August 4th, 1995. The Oilers acquire Mike Greer and Curtis Joseph from the St. Louis Blues. For a first-round pick in 96 and 97, who was that first-round pick in 96? 96. Marty Reeser? Yes, correct. Okay. Who would become an Oiler, and then wasn't he traded to the Bruins, and then he was he, he was in the Samsonoff deal, right? 
I believe. Yes, he was. And then the Oilers signed him back in the offseason. And I was almost thinking that the 95-96 year play-by-play partner there was doing the color on the Oilers at that time. But I, I just recently looked up that whole sequencing of the Cujo trade because I think I had a Cujo a Twitter uh, uh, point I put out about a week ago. Was that So I went two for two. Do I get anything extra as a result of that? Well, we'll see if you go three for three here, okay? And I do Uh-oh. have a bonus question at, uh, after. Just w- the, And the bonus question is to see if I can jog your memory. Um, Curtis Joseph in that trade did not come to a contract agreement with the Oilers. Where did he play uh, to start the, uh, the hockey season before he came to Edmonton eventually? Las Vegas and the IHL. There you go. Do you remember the Las Vegas team name? The Thunder. There you go. Three for three. There you go. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Reed's going to say I made it too easy, but that's okay. Um, now, here's my bonus question. I, I picked 95-96 because that's the first year I met you. Uh, I, <laughs> do you, I remember, you don't want to tell people how much thinner we both were, do you? No, I really don't. I That that would be frightening. That would be frightening to talk about, honestly. At I least mean, I, I think from my like- perspective. I look like uh, sort of a John Travolta-esque from Rambo. A Rambo-esque looking Tom Cruise at that time, I think. <laughs> there you go. That, there you fair? go. Is that That's fair? fair? Yeah. Yeah. So I remember, I think it was an early home game on a, on a weekend. And yeah. John Sexsmith was the first ever host of Oilers Hockey on, on 630 Chad. Yeah. yeah. He came in and, he, and I met you. And here's this. I mean, you look like a freaking Adonis, man. I mean, you just, you're a chiseled back then. Um, and you said there was one player on the Oilers that you could not stand. Who was that player? Oh, 95. Oh, wow. <laughs> we have to admit to this? He wasn't, an Oiler, he wasn't an Oiler for long. Really? 95, 96. Uh, I do not remember who I was bad-mouthing in 95, 96. Who was it? He was traded for Dan McGillis to Detroit. Oh, Kurt Mulby? Yes. <laughs> really? I, I ended up meeting guy. He's actually, geez, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought that. Oh, he was, yeah. Dan McGillis was a pretty good oiler. Yes, uh, he was. Uh, you know, I don't mind Kurt now. I don't know what it was back then. That I, didn't, I don't know. Something must have happened. He, but He got off to a, a bit of a rocky start, but his career as a Red Wing was, was incredible. There's no question about it. Him, he and, was, Dan uh, Cleary, him and Dan yeah. Cleary, obviously, were a lot better Red Wings than they were Oilers. I, you know, I'd almost, you know, at that time, I, was, I think I was 29, I almost would look at myself in the mirror and say, that's more a reflection on me than it was on Kurt Maltby at that stage <laughs> of my life. <laughs> Bob, it's always great to talk to you, buddy. Take care, okay? Hey. Dave, uh, call anytime you're stuck and can't get somebody better. Okay, <laughs> anytime. Well, we got someone better. His name's Bob Stoffer, and uh, he's the host of Oilers Now on 6.30, Chad, from noon until 2. Back in a moment. Field goal by the L.A. Chargers. They have tied the game uh, late in the second quarter of play, so it's 10-10 as we're approaching halftime between the Chargers and the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders have... It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline lost Derek Carr for the game, growing injury Marcus Mariota in. He has thrown a 35-yard touchdown pass to Darren Waller. 
Uh, what else can I tell you? I can tell you Mike Riley restructured his contract today. We'll get to that in a moment. Signed the new deal that'll keep him with the Lions for the 2022 season. News emerged last month that Riley had filed a grievance against the Lions, allegedly over the non-payment of guaranteed funds. Also, William Powell, flying running back for the Saskatchewan Rough Rider, signs a one-year extension today. He was, I believe, third in the league in rushing in 2019. We'll keep the uh, we'll switch gears and we will talk football with the president of the football candidate, Jim Mullen. Next on Inside Sports. Campbell and for Reed Wilkins this week. Reed's back on Monday. They're at the half in Vegas. A uh, 26-yard touchdown pass from Justin Herbert to Tyron Johnson, and the LA Chargers are up 17-10 on the Las Vegas Raiders, who basically have to win out and get some help to make the playoffs in the AFC. Also, uh, back to hockey for a second. Uh, goaltender Henrik Lundqvist will sit out the upcoming season whenever it starts. Uh because of a heart condition, he announced the news about two months after joining the Capitals. 38-year-old was bought out by the New York Rangers after 15 seasons, signed a $1.5 million one-year deal with Washington in October. This is cool. Canadian Alfonso Davies' remarkable year continued today when he became the first North American player to ever be voted onto the Men's World Eleven, And that's basically being recognized as the 11 best players in the world. So he joins the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo, Liano Messi, and Sergio Ramos on the World 11. That is uh, very cool. And, um, of course, we tell you about the hockey story today that uh, the possibility of a Canadian division may not happen because of uh, restrictions with uh, federal and provincial health authorities. It doesn't seem like they and the NHL are on the same page, so they may all they may have to either do a, a bubble, which is the last resort, or you go to the U.S. with your seven teams in Canada, which is a tough ask. And Chicago Blackhawks are going to rena- remain the Blackhawks. There's no sign of a change coming anytime soon. Speaking publicly for the first time since baseball's Cleveland Indians announced they plan to change their name, Blackhawks CEO Danny Wirt says the team continues to deepen our commitment to upholding our namesake and our brand. The Blackhawks have said they plan to continue with their name because it honors Blackhawk, a Native American leader from Illinois' SAC and Fox Nation. It's been a year of change. Of course, the Edmonton football team, uh, they retired the name Eskimos in mid-July. They're searching for a name, which will be unveiled in the uh, early part, uh, early to mid-April. And uh, this man, who has had quite the year himself, Jim Mullen, the president of Football Canada, uh, has done something fun as far as the uh, potential new name of the Edmonton football team. First, Jim, uh, nice to chat with you again. How are you doing? Nice to have you on the show. I'm doing great. It's been a long time since the two of us uh, talked. It's uh, long overdue. You know, it is, absolutely. And I know we've had many chats when, you know, uh, over the years, I mean, you worked for uh, CKNW in Vancouver. You you called the, the Canada West games on Shaw Cable. Now you're the president of Football Canada. And we'll talk about the uh, Football Canada uh, issues and just how you've been able to navigate through the pandemic and going, you know, looking forward to 2021. But you have done something fun on your Twitter account. Uh, you love the name Elks for the Edmonton football team, and that is actually a name that they are considering. Um, and Golden Eagles is up there, and there's, uh, you know, Express has been talked about, Energy's been talked about, Evolution's been talked about. But uh, 
your Twitter account, I think for one, for a time you were, weren't you posting a picture and, and campaigning for Elks about every day for a time? Elk of the day. Yeah, it was, it was, yes, uh, I actually it. formed a hashtag around it. Uh, it. It's, it's only one letter. First of all, between Elks and Elks, that's one thing that, that's really apparent. I'm a big guy uh, when it comes to history. And, of course, everybody in Edmonton by now knows the history with the, with the Elks name, going to the Grey Cup, playing against Queens. Uh, so there's a precedent for it. Uh, that's one of the reasons I like it. But there are so many reasons, I believe, that, that uh, the Edmonton football team should take a look at Elks. And I heard that uh, one of the things that they're going to make a decision on is, is based upon a story. And there's all kinds of stories around it, not just the affiliation with the team in the past, but you've got Elk Island National Park, uh, just uh, uh, a stone's throw away, really, from uh, from Edmonton, the, the smallest national park in the country. It's a it's a world leader uh, when it comes to uh, exporting ungulates ar- around the world and repopulating North America and other parts of uh, Europe and Asia. It, it's um, it's a history of community, like the Elks Club stepping up and bankrolling the, the local team and bonding uh, community together. And as opposed to what my friend of 35 years, Farhan Lalji, says, these animals <laughs> are fierce. Yep. Actually, the, the, the two qualities of gregarious and fierce, that's what you want out of an offensive lineman. And the Latin name is, is Servus Canadensis. Canadensis. It's got Canada in the name. Like, like <laughs> I had someone from uh, a Hamilton Tiger Cats fan coming at me, like, don't name the team else. You got Tiger and Cats in the name. You're conflicted. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and. And you want to find the name that is marketable. You want to find the name that you can, and I could see Elks having, uh, you know, the team having a lot of fun with merchandise. And if you want to check out the uh, the, the little mock-up Jim has on his uh, Twitter account, you can find him at, at uh, Jim underscore Mullen TSN. And uh, it, the, the antlers look cool. And, and that's the thing, too. You have the antlers on the helmet, and there's no... Uh, EE logo and that's the thing that Reed Wilkins and I have talked about and Reed's talked about on on this show is they're keeping the EE logo but it doesn't primary logo there might be a new primary logo and that you find the EE logo somewhere on the jersey so that's something we got to think about too we know the colors are staying yeah you can keep the logo on the helmet you can do a third uniform uh with it with the uh with the antlers on the uh on the helmet I mean it, it, it strikes me that, you know, one of the um, uh, traditional uh, great looks in football, actually the very first football helmet that had any sort of pattern on it were the Cleveland Rams, which are now the Los Angeles Rams. They're mm-hmm. horns, right? Just like antlers. Uh, I think one of the classic helmets, uh, you can see it right now, are the Bolts, the, 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 uh, the L.A. Chargers, the Lightning Bolts. Right. Um, you know, those sorts of symbols, uh, you can create all kinds of marketing and merchandising off of it. Heck, I'd like to sit in a stadium with a ball cap with antlers sticking out of it. I mean, you could, you could have so much fun with this. And, yeah. and, and after all, isn't this about fun? 
Like, I mean, I've heard the name energy. It's nebulous. It sounds like a, a an indoor soccer league team. It, it, it's, it, it's hard. To, it's, that's like nailing jello to the wall when you're coming up with an image for it. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to have a team that sounds like an arena league team playing at Edmonton. I want something traditional. I want something Canadian. I want something that dominates the land. And I'd like my friend Farhan to, to actually take one in the L column on this one. Yeah, I, I, and the last point on this, and you know, I've said this to Farhan, and I've said this to other people too. I go, elk and rutting season, not pleasant, not pleasant no. whatsoever. So there's great yeah, videos, I, there's great videos online of, of elk yeah. uh, getting pretty darn violent <laughs> during that, like 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 nailing well, like one ton pickups off their axis. I mean, it, it, it's it's it, like please don't tell me they're passive animals. No. And I've seen too many people get out of their car and approach an elk in rutting season. And it's like, what are you doing? Stay in your car, get the picture, drive away. You know, I remember staying at a campground in Jasper a few years ago and elk were moving in the area during rutting season. And you just, you just stay still or just go about your business. Don't look any in any way threatening to them because they are ornery at that time of year. So, well, you know, well, and the biggest, the biggest thing, Mike Beamish, uh, the, the former BC Lions writer pointed this out on Twitter. They're faster yes. than a horse. And if you, if you want something to catch up to and defeat that stupid Calgary touchdown horse, it's an elk. <laughs> I think you sold me on it now. I'm I'm 100% in favor of elks now. Thank you very yeah, much, yeah, Jim. I appreciate that. Run the elk up that tra- track at Commonwealth. <laughs> I love that. He's a horse every time. I love that. Jim Mullen, the president of Football Canada, joining us on 630 Chet Inside Sports. Okay, Mr. President, it's been uh, a heck of a year for... A lot of the wrong reasons. Uh, sports has been affected big time by the pandemic. Uh, Football Canada, uh, no exception. We didn't have a CFL season. I know that's not your your jurisdiction, but uh, you know, obviously that's that hurts. There's no U Sports this year. There's no, uh, you know, the Huskies and Wildcats and Prairie Junior, and there's no Canadian Junior football this year. Uh, Nearly a high school league played, if any. Um, tell me about just how. How this year has been for you, and obviously it's been difficult, but how you've been able to try and navigate through this and uh, where, where you stand right now, I guess, heading into 2021. Yeah, navigate is the key word. Uh, I mean, uh, back uh, when this hit in uh, March and we were the first uh, national sports organization uh, to stop all activity, uh, we knew it would be an uphill battle, uh, just like most other contact sports right across the board. Um, we got to work on a return to a football program where we had things that you could do from home, where we kept people engaged with the game. We even reached out uh, to the Canuck Play people, and we've got, a, we, we've got our brands going on in a video game so you can remain connected with the game that way. Uh, but the essence of the game is getting on the field. And mm-hmm. uh, I know in Alberta, uh, the folks at Football Alberta through the community programs have done a good job in terms of working through the pandemic, uh, uh, playing games in cohorts with the uh, with the community programs. Uh, I know earlier in September they were um, taking two community groups playing over a 14-day period. 
and playing in smaller numbers too. They were making football scalable. So we weren't playing in 12-a-side football. In some cases, it was 6-a-side. In some cases, it was 9-a-side. And there's a silver lining in that, in that, uh, you know, the 6-a-side and the 9-a-side game uh, are great developmental models, especially mm-hmm. in, in inner cities and especially in, in rural communities uh, where you may not have the numbers. Uh, I know there's a bit of a, a prejudice towards uh, some of those other types of games because some people don't see it as real football because it's not 12-man or 11-man, but it's football just the same. And our, our main goal is just getting kids to play. And that apply, uh, applies to flag as well, and uh, getting kids playing flag football, uh, especially at the younger ages. And and so we've seen uh, during this time uh, a real shift to flag football, uh, which is good because in, in some areas where they haven't had developed flag uh, football programs, they now have that foundation, oddly enough, after going through this. Uh, but make no mistake, our registration numbers are down. Uh, they're about mm-hmm. 50% uh, nationally of what they were uh, the previous year. Flag has made up for a, a lot of that, but our tackle numbers, um, uh, because of the pandemic shutting down the game in places like Ontario, uh, uh, having a blip in Quebec for a couple of weeks and them shutting it down, are around 22% of what they were last year. And so our major challenge coming out of this is making sure that we keep coaches and players engaged as we move forward to 2021. Jim Mullen, president of Football Canada, joining us on 630 Chat Inside Sports. Uh, you know, a lot of sports organizations like yourself are waiting to see where the virus goes and, and what the restrictions are. I guess for you, the, the nice thing is you got some time and hopefully you know, and, the, and and we don't know when what the timeline is at all, but, you know, when we get to spring, summer, fall, that, you know, maybe things turn around. And uh, from your perspective, though, is it hard to plan or is it just, hey, we plan and we, we hope for the best here? Uh, well, we do plan and we plan to five different conclusions on every project. <laughs> and, 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 and they are full plans on each of those five paths. So, for instance, we have the potential for a world championship for our world juniors uh, next year to replace the one that was canceled this uh, past year in the United States. Uh, We have a site in Vancouver. Uh, We have four nations that are interested. It's a a scaled-back version, Uh, and it would be in the first week of July. Well, as anyone who's been following the news knows, you know, there's a number of things that can go on in terms of a vaccine that could make this viable or not make it viable. Our responsibility mm-hmm. is to the athletes who missed their opportunity to represent their country last year. And because that was a U19 tournament and this is a U20 tournament, we got, we've got to take every opportunity possible to put them on that stage. And, and we know the percentages are low. Uh, we know that, you know, out of those five different scenarios, uh, three of them are not very good. Uh, one of them's perfect and the other one's something yeah. of a compromise. But uh, yeah. that applies to all of our, our, our summer tournaments, uh, our Canada Cup, uh, all of those things. So as much as it looks like we have time uh, on the calendar, you know, right now we're working quite furiously for things that are happening in or at least planning to, to have happen in July, uh, in August, and, and then in the fall uh, so we can be prepared for 
uh, when we start getting back to something that looks and functions like normal. Uh, we're running short on time here, but I want to ask you about this idea that's been pitched to see the Canadian Bowl played, the Vanier Cup played on the same weekend as the Grey Cup. Well, that can take a couple of uh, different paths. Um, you know, certainly playing it with the Grey Cup uh, would be optimal. Uh, there are numerous challenges behind this that we uh, will continue to work through with all the stakeholders on this. We've developed kind of a table for all of them to uh, talk at and work around to try to get to this goal. Sometimes facilities stand in the way. Sometimes hotel space stands in the way. Sometimes mm -hmm. scheduling stands in the way. So there are alternatives that we're also looking at, like just taking the Canadian Bowl and the Vanier Cup and playing it together the week after Grey Cup and having a CFL team host it. Um, that could be something that would be a great way to send off the football season at the end of the year. So uh, the good thing is, is that we've resolved to do it and we're focused on continuing the discussion uh, because that's the way it's going to get done. Jim, good to hear from you again. Uh, all the best in 2021 here as we uh, navigate this pandemic and uh, definitely hope we're seeing a lot more football in this country being played in, in 2021. Take care, okay? Thanks very much and go Elks, go. <laughs> and Jim Mullen, the, uh, the, uh, the champion of the name Elks for the Edmonton football team. <laughs> uh, back to wrap up Inside Sports in a moment, including some good news for local boxer Jelena Marjanovic. Zone, Jelena Mergenovic, unified featherweight boxing champion with a win tonight, unanimous, a unanimous decision over Iranda Paola Torres. And after the bout, fellow champion Amanda Serrano called her out to a unification bout after Jelena's win. So she did suffer a uh, pretty nasty cut, Jelena did. But uh, it'd be great to see that fight for sure. Uh, and we had her on last week, last Friday. And uh, just an inspirational story, uh, Milan Lubavac, her longtime trainer who uh, suffered a, a heart condition early in February and is in a, a coma and it doesn't look good, but she fought for him. And uh, inspirational fight tonight by Jelena. Congratulations. So the uh, big story, and uh, we don't have any further info on this at this point, but the uh, possibility of the Canadian division is definitely in doubt after it does, after the Canadian Public Health Agency basically said our protocols need to be followed. So I don't know if there's a bit of a dispute between their protocols and the NHLs. We'll see what happens tomorrow when I'm in the big chair again for another night of guest hosting for Reed Wilkins on Inside Sports. For studio producer Kellen Kennedy, I'm Dave Campbell. Have a great evening. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.